everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can check out my interview with Brian Buckmeyer, a cool guy, legal analyst, public defender, and now novelist. We had a really interesting conversation. You can check that out now at authormagazine.org. We're funded by the good people of the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. To learn more about the PNWA and their fabulous yearly writers conference and their various services they offer, go to pnwa.org. So, cool conversation with Brittany Butler, who is a former CIA targeting officer with firsthand knowledge in the recruitment and handling of spies, people, yes, and the dismantling of terrorist networks abroad. A staunch advocate for Middle Eastern women's rights, Brittany has worked to promote uh, the rights of disenfranchised Afghan women and girls and now works within her local community to resettle Afghan refugees. The first in a series, The Syndicate Spy, that's her first novel, combines Fascinating facts with heart-stopping fiction telling the story, as only Brittany can tell it, of how female intelligence officers utilize both their intellect and skills to see beyond religious and cultural barriers in order to bring peace to this war-torn region. Yeah, we had a really cool conversation about her life in the CIA and moving over to writing where she has really found her home in a, you know, in a, and talked about it in a way really only writers ever talk about writing. It's just great. Anyway, really cool conversation, great debut author, and I'm glad I get to share it with you. Enjoy. All right. Look at this. We got a debut author. We got Brittany Butler. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So congrats, first of all. Book number one, uh, The Syndicate Spy, first in what is planned to be a series, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Spy thriller series. So it's a spy thriller series. Little uh, slight twist in that it's a tiny bit futuristic, a little speculative. Mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. get into that. A dark yep. future. Not a future I want to live in, but a future I know. you fear might be in our horizon if we're not careful. But I know um, you come to this genre mm-hmm. with an unusual amount of uh, authority and that you were, wait a minute, let me get your exact, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you were a CI targeting officer within the CIA's directorate of operations. That's a mouthful. Yes. You were a spy. What were so what what does that mean? What does that I was. Mean? Yeah. So a targeting officer is someone who basically targets individuals for either kill capture operations. If you're working in like the counterterrorism center. So I worked primarily in the counterterrorism center at CIA or you're targeting individuals for recruitment operations. So that means like you're identifying the sources that you're going to potentially recruit and develop to spy for us, to spy for the U S government. Okay. So from what I understand, people who get into things like the CIA are often themselves recruited. Um, some, uh, if I, what little I know about this is they say, you seem like a bright young woman, yeah, patriotic and maybe yeah. with no family ties whatsoever. Like how, is that what happened to you? Would, did they notice you? Yeah. Or- yeah. Well, so I worked at the U S embassy in Paris. I did an internship my okay. junior year of college okay. and, um, I worked in the passport office there, the consulate section and, you know, a lot of my job actually involved name traces. So, you know, 
researching individuals who are trying to get into the country. And I had a good deal of knowledge about Arabic naming conventions, given what I had studied in college. And so I identified or helped to identify an individual who was trying to come into the country that wasn't supposed to be. And um, this was in 2004. So kind of at the height of everything pretty soon after 9-11. And Um, you know, we're really honing in on individuals that, you know, shouldn't be here. And so I identified this person, flagged them to the right, um, you know, through the right channels at the start state department. And it just so happened that my boss, I didn't know it at the time, but he doubled as a CIA agent and Uh, he was like, Hey, like, have you ever thought about applying to the CIA? And I said, absolutely not never even occurred to me. Right. Um, and so he was like, you know what, just apply on the website and see where you get. And I applied and they were interested in me and I got recruited right out of college to be a case officer. And basically the case officer for those who are not familiar is the individual who's in charge of the recruitment and handling of spies overseas. Right. And um, decided after a good deal of like interviews and polygraphs and uh, such that I didn't want to sign up for the 10 years abroad initially, just not knowing a good amount about what I was getting into. Right. Um, But I I wanted to do operations. I want to be involved in the counterterrorism effort to some extent. And I was kind of this like, um, so targeting officer is someone who's kind of hybrid in that right. you're primarily based at Langley at CIA headquarters, but then you're doing a lot of tours, kind of short stints overseas. Um, you have to meet the people, operation. right? If you're going to recruit someone, you got to, I assume, got to meet them physically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So you were targeting people who we would target for <laughs> for elimination, and you were targeting people who you would also, wow. So- so you were pretty involved in some of the the darker aspects of this of this business, yeah. Right, right. As a young yeah. woman, as a young, well, of course, soldiers. A lot of young people are asked to do some of this stuff, yeah. Right, right, yeah. I would say it's it was particularly challenging as you know as a female. I mean, and I worked a lot in the Middle East, and so not only was I overcoming a lot of the challenges that all officers deal with, grapple with right. in terrorism operations, but then I was doing it as a female meeting with Arab sources, meeting with Arab detainees, trying to gain their respect, developing rapport, all those things that a male, you know, case officer is doing, but you know, you're doing it at a little bit of a disadvantage because in a lot of those cases, especially with our more um, fundamentalist type of mentalities, they really look down on women and we're not their equal. And so I would walk into the room already at a disadvantage and have a good deal of work to do in terms of building my trust with the source. But it must be, we we are going to get to the book, but I find this fascinating. I'm sorry. I just only talked to so many people who've done this, but it must be, you you know, it happens once, it happens twice. I I would guess after the fourth or fifth time, you start developing a, a sort of psychology and approach and an immunity to that sort of their their presuppositions about women right that that you know you begin to not be phased by it after a little bit as obnoxious as it is you start knowing how to deal with it is that fair yeah absolutely and i mean the tradecraft is you go in there and you just know it absolutely everything there is to know about an individual like you know before any kind of meeting i would as a targeting officer i was also responsible for being an expert on the subject matter area right so i knew everything there was about 
whatever terrorist organization, how it operated, how it functioned, who he reported to, right? Uh, everything down to what car he drove, what color eyes his mom had, you know, and right. you kind of catch him off guard with, oh shit, this woman really knows right. everything about me. And so you right. you establish your authority in that meeting right. and you basically are demonstrating to them like you can't give me false information because right. I know everything there is to know about you. Right. And so that's kind of like one of those tactics, you know, that they teach you um, that, you know, it's, it, it is kind of like common sense in a way, but you don't right. realize really the power of that, of, of just information going into that meeting, really well-versed, really well-prepared. Um, in, in this case, especially, it really caught them off guard. Um, right really didn't know everything about them. But then, you know, also going in, like I, my first terrorist I ever met with, you know, I was scared shitless, right? Like just <laughs> it's really nerve wracking. You don't know how it's going to go. And sure. But I had to act like it was my hundredth meeting, yeah. you know, with the terrorist yeah. and just, you know, make sure that they never saw, you know, it coming. And I think it is an advantage in a way, like I come in, like I'm young, I was blonde, you know, I'm blonde, right. whatever, like, they're like, they don't expect anything a lot. Like the, their expectations are pretty low. And so when right. you come out and you like know what their mom used to call them whenever they were a child, right. they're like, oh shit, who's this right. lady? Right, right, right. Oh, it's so interesting. And so you've written fiction about it. And and it's it strikes me that, you know, I there are things in this world that I know about experientially from, I worked in restaurants and I write and I do a bunch of things I know about. And right. I know the difference between yeah. doing something and how that thing is represented often in fictional circumstances. And I'll sit there and go, no, not really. Mm, yeah. Not exactly, but okay. I understand, yeah. but no, even to the point where I was a track guy and yeah. in movies, when they show people running, I'm like, he doesn't know how to run or she doesn't yeah. know how to actually run. Like there's a way you actually run. I'm impressed when I see it. Okay. So that being said, spies get re and, and CIA operations get represented frequently in mm -hmm. fiction and in film. So you mm -hmm. must have seen it represented well and really not well at all. I mean, James Bond being it's sort of one end of the absurdity, but then, right. so what, in, in, so did you watch that kind of stuff? Or were you like, look, man, I live it. I don't want to think about it when I'm done working. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, whenever I got off my job, I was like, let's just watch friends. Let's watch Seinfeld. <laughs> like I right. don't, I, this is way too intense. And, um, right. Whenever I was working at CIA, Homeland was pretty popular. And ah. my husband was like, let's give it a try. Let's try to watch it. But I watched like one episode and I was like, this is not fun for me. Like, right. first of all, like I'm, I don't want to live it again. But then also like, I don't want to pick it apart. It's like not fun right. to, yeah. to watch fiction that you're like, okay. Like you were just saying, like you pick apart, like, well, that's not how it's done. Right. I remember we went and saw um, a movie. I of course, I forget the name of the movie now, but it had... Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell um, Crowe in it. Russell, and they were like, talk, yeah, talking about like operational things about CIA tradecraft, like over the cell phone. He was at his kid's soccer game and he <laughs> and Leonardo DiCaprio was like the middle of Baghdad and right. he was talking him through an operation. And I was like, what? Like that would never happen. Like what right. are they doing? Like right. this is street craft. And um, so my husband's like, it's not fun to watch movies with you, like the spy stuff, because is, you, like, is he in is he in the industry also, or is he in something no. else? No, 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 no. Okay. he's in a totally different field. He's in the okay. airline industry. He has nothing to do with this world right. whatsoever. So um, yeah, no, I, it's not very fun for him to watch <laughs> any of that stuff with me because I'm like, that's not how it goes at all. Um, but you know, there are, there are movies and TV shows that do a really good job. Like, um, there was, 
um oh goodness what's the name of it um zero dark 30 um, yeah i th i saw that that was the one about bin laden right yeah yeah they did a really good job there. that struck like, me as as i didn't knowing nothing about it i felt like yeah. someone did their research on this i can just feel it you yeah. Know? yeah yeah you can feel the authenticity coming out yeah. and what she's doing and how she's yeah. operating and it was so much so i actually worked on pakistan afghanistan division whenever that movie came out and they like polygraphed everybody in the division because they're like all right who, who, who told her? <laughs> wow. What's going on here? Um, so yeah, so yeah, it but I still really enjoy it. I love, you know, reading spy thrillers. I mean, there's a, a lot of really great stuff out there about yeah. World War II and females yeah. coming yeah. out, like the role that we played in World War II and yeah. how much uh how integral we were to the war effort. And yeah. I, I really enjoyed the um historical fiction and reading about those accounts. But the reason why I wrote the book was that I I felt like the female voice wasn't as much out there. Like it was just, you know, we were out there in World War II, but like yeah. what has been written since about all the contributions we've been making to the counterterrorism effort right. and to just like the foreign intelligence collection in general, like where right. are those stories? And so I really, it was really important to me to create authentic characters that, um, that had depth and that you could really, um, you know, get inside the mind of what it's like to be a female spy and, right. um, you know, how difficult that is. And, and, and I, I don't know, I just thought, okay, this would be really cool to be able to like explore this. And, um, and, and how soon, cause you've worked for nine years in for the CIA and yeah. then, um, how soon after you retired, did you think, I'm going to try my hand at fiction. Like, well, how would, how did that, I mean, I know that was the thinking around telling that, but making a decision to write a book, that's a whole thing. And as you learn, right. it's a whole thing to actually write it. I'm it sure. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult um, thing to do. I would not recommend it if you want to keep your sanity <laughs> intact. Right. Um, no, I, I worked for an organization right when I left CIA, I worked for an organization called women for Afghan women. And um, it was all about, you know, supporting women's rights in the Middle East. And we right. helped to um, provide funds for shelters in Afghanistan for women and children who were fleeing domestic abuse. And I came in contact with, you know, a good deal of Afghan women. And I was so um, impressed by their stories and their strength and their resiliency. And I wanted to showcase them um, mm. in, in a book. I thought it would be really powerful to do that. And so that's right. why... I came up with this idea of like writing these two very strong female characters. One is an American right. spy. The other is an Arab spy and how these, these females partner together to win this global energy war. Right. And um, so, yeah, so I just started writing um, after I worked for that women's rights organization, I thought, okay, this is, this is something I really want to do. And um, over time, you know, I just got, you know, great advice as from editors, other writers about just every time I I'd start to kind of veer off the spy thriller path, they'd say, write what you know, like so many people haven't had the experiences that you've yeah. had, yeah. Um, you know, stay true to um, your background and, and write something that people are really interested in. And so I did. So I just started writing and you know, um, we have a process at CIA. Um, it's a publication review board where you have to get everything approved before it gets right. out there. And um, and I submitted it and they said it was fine. And so here we are. Wow. And so, all right. So you had to, when you started, because I assume when you were being doing, working for the CIA, you didn't have 
know, maybe you wrote in your journal, maybe you wrote letters, yeah. but like, what was your relationship to writing at that time, aside from reports and so on? Yeah, none. Honestly, it, none. I, I wrote Kate. Yeah, I, exactly. I wrote reports like cables is how we communicate yeah, stations and bases. It's totally different. It's yeah. um, yeah, it's like thesis, supporting argument, supporting argument. Right. Um, so I had to teach myself. So I, I read a lot yeah. of uh, books on tradecraft, but then I mostly just read a lot. Right. So I just yeah. started reading everything I could get my hands on. And, you know, 14 drafts later, you know, I yeah. finally found my style and how I felt like, you know, my ideas came best off the page and, um, yeah, learning. Well, it's really it's tight. You, you should be pleased because it's a really tightly written book. I mean, it, it reeks of verisimilitude, which is great. I always appreciate that because it's yeah. fine. You know, if when I interview people who've written spy books, I some are realistics. I don't care if it's just going to be yeah. fun, but it's nice when I read something that I feel like I'm getting a glimpse into what it's actually like without, thank God, ever having to do it. So, right. That, right. so I did appreciate that, but you clearly had your eyeballs on a story. You know, and so yeah. that's yeah. and, you know, uh, there's an American short story writer named Flannery O'Connor famously said, um, everyone knows what a story is until they try to tell one. And then mm -hmm. they suddenly like, oh. And so what was the hardest part for you? What was the hardest thing for you to learn to tell this story? I think how to write an ending. I really <laughs> struggled with my ending. Yeah, yeah. I, re I rewrote that thing. I mean, and I only got to the final version, which I, I feel like is very twisty, which I love. I mean, recently, like in the final draft, I was like, oh, wow. I got it. This oh. is going to be the end. So I think for, for me, at least, I really struggled with how do I bring all these different character arcs and plot lines together into a cohesive way but something that's not final because I want right. to write subsequent books. Right. So that was kind of, that was really tricky for me. That took, that took some time. And, and, and so you read books on, it's funny, you called it trade craft. We don't call yeah. it, we just call it craft. Okay. okay <laughs> I love okay, that yeah. you called it trade craft. I'm willing, I'm, I'll take it. Whatever. I'm in spy mode. <laughs> I know. I know. I think it's great. But so you read books on craft, which is wonderful, but what books, what um suspense book or books in general did you read? Because I always feel that it's so important as writers. We really learn from other writers mostly from the books we read. I think that's really where the learning happens aside right. from right. So which books did you read where you it's something clicked in and and you found the most instructive? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I really love, like I said, I love historical fiction. Um, I really love Kristen Hanna's The Nightingale. Ah! Oh, like Kristen, yeah, sure. Reese Witherspoon's like pick right now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I love Kate Quinn, who I'm so blessed to say that she endorsed the book. Um, oh, nice. she, she's written, um, you know, unbelievable books about, you know, female spies. The, my favorite is um, the Alice Network. Um, and what other? I, I'm I love Diana Gobbledon. I love Outlander. Ah! <laughs> I love, you know, but she's extremely wordy, right? But yeah. that, what I learned from her was... Um, I love the way she writes relationships. I right. love how she draws you in. And so, yeah, I don't know if you do this or not, but I, I pick things I like about each writer and each book yeah. and I, I formulate my own thing. Well, I, this, this author is amazing, you know, at terms of describing, you know, the hilltops of North Carolina or whatever. Right. And it just, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly learning from them, you know, with, and then there's some dialogue. I mean, I really love, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Sarah okay, that's good. 
<laughs> I, I, you know, she, she writes like um, fantasy, high fantasy. I uh, love books like that. I, right. you know, and, and their prose is extremely tight, you know, yep. and I, yep. it, it's not long-winded like Gobbledon. Again, I love her. I really respect her, but it's, she's a little bit more long-winded. Yeah. Well, sense. you know, I interviewed her for, I can't remember which book it was years ago. We were talking about how she goes about writing her books and she was like, <laughs> she doesn't, I'm going to guess you are a bit of an outliner. I don't know how how much, yeah. but I'm going to guess you do some outlining. Diana I Gabaldon. Initially, but I write like her. That like so, I know where you're going. Because you know her method finished. is just like I look out the window and what's there, and oh, it's a guy in a kilt. Okay, I guess that's you know. So that was her approach. It's crazy. I write all so right now in my second book, I I write all over the place, and mm -hmm. I I start with like a pretty general outline, but then yeah. I give myself the creative freedom to to go off that outline, you know, if you're yeah. writing and you feel like, God, it'd be cool if I took it in this direction. I don't like stop myself and say, well, no, that's not the outline. Right. Like, cause it could, you know, take you in a really interesting See, direction. You're talking like a writer now thinking like yeah. a writer. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Woe betide the author who ignores those impulses. That's really where the good <laughs> stuff happens. I, you know, I, I write sh a lot of short pieces, short essays about things that happened to me. And I will tell myself, it might be 500 words long is all. I'll say, you think you know what it's about. You don't know what it's about. You go find out in that 500 words what it's actually about. Because something will happen, right? Yes. Something will happen. Good for you. Now, you, before we came on, you mentioned you were fishing around on your computer because you need to turn off your writing music. And you're the first author I've talked to who's said they have writing music. Others might, and I just don't know. So really? you need, I can't. I can't, I can't, it's got to be just me alone in my room, silence to write. Really? Yes. Oh, but, I can't. I, I have okay. to have, I, I write the best at coffee shops with mm. my earbuds in. Yeah. And there has to be a lot going on around me. And I, Interesting. to, to focus, it's yeah. very strange, but I think I get that from my work at the CIA. Like I always had headphones on and was like, you know, totally zoned in on all my screens and everything. And I, a look, my my coworkers would make fun of me. I was like the biggest dweeb because I couldn't wear the ones that went in your ear. They bothered me. So I wore like the huge Big, headphones. Yep. They're like 1980s ones that were like <laughs> yep. covered half my head. Yep. Yep. Um, and I just find that that's the way I'm really able to get into a story. And then I, I'm also like in my mind, it's, it's as a movie. I don't know if you feel like that as you're writing sure. but to sure. me i'm listening to this kind of and it's all very like movie type of soundtracks what about lyrics do you have lyrics in your music no i cannot have okay. lyrics. yeah yeah that would be, be like hard movie soundtracks yeah okay like that. oh that's good so yeah. you're almost like so you're using the music i see once i wrote a poem to the to bolero that was oh. playing i know i don't it was okay. kind of a somewhat of a cliche but it came out real easy that was years yeah. ago but um so the music creates an emotional mm -hmm. climate in you mm -hmm. and do you feel like it's sometimes it's guiding you a little bit like you're yeah. like it's inspiring some choices maybe yeah yeah well you know like there's some love scenes in my book and so like if I'm listening to something that's not going with the love scene, I'm like okay I gotta shift gears right. listen to something different get in the zone you know like get in the zone of whatever I, what scene I'm trying to write sometimes, you know, if it's an action scene, like yeah. the music needs to be a little bit more like suspenseful and dangerous and whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I really, um, and I, I've gotten a lot of comments back that 
reading the book is like watching a movie. And I wonder if the it's because of the music I listen to. Maybe. Like, I, it's in my, I, I see the movie. Yeah, well, that's writing. good. You should. You should feel like it should be a sense. Sometimes writers talk about taking dictation, which is good, where the characters are talking. But there should be a sense of like you're just seeing something that's happening, even right. though it's you're dreaming it. Yeah. There is a sense of like, am I or is it being given to me? Am I just seeing something? Mm -hmm. There should be a mix between you're just sort of there as a witness to something that kind of feels real all on its own, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, you gosh, know? yeah. Well, and then you get to a point. I don't know if it's healthy or not, but you're like, this is the world I want to be in. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> I love I love my life. I love my kids. Yada, yada. But like, I really want to be in this world all of the time. And so I have to like check myself and be I like, know, you've done all it. Right. Like, today, I had to force myself to like get out of my house and like go interact with humans. I'm like, I, I got to do that. It's not right. to be cooped well, up here with my book all day. Brittany, welcome to our club. It's good yeah. to have you in. It's good, it's good that you're one of us now because that's that's yeah. what's happened to you. You've been bitten by the bug and it's it's over. Yeah. You've, you know, there's there's something I will tell you. Writing is such a fan. I mean, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or whatever, but there it's such a sense. I will tell you, even though you're writing about spies and it's you're dreaming up possible futures. I I, I hope you understand there's a level of kind of self-discovery that happens because yeah. you're writing a story that only you're interested that you're you're the one who recognized its value first, right? right. And there's right. something about that that speaks to you so mm -hmm. uniquely, almost like falling in love with somebody, I think. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Right? You have to like fall in love with your story. Yeah. yeah or yeah. it's not the right story, I feel That's like. Because right. I think that comes through, at least what I'm reading, I can tell like, I think Diana Gobladon's like in love with Jamie uh, Fraser. Oh, she's and yeah. She's in love with him. And but yeah. I am too, because I yeah. can feel it yeah. through her story. And that's I think maybe that's how you connect with your readers, you know, yeah. is just writing what you love and writing the story you want to read. That's right? right. That's right. Oh, you're speaking my language. This is yeah. good. All okay. right. So the book's gonna be coming out. So this is dropping the week yeah. before your pub date. Mm -hmm. Uh are you excited? How do you feel? Are you like, what's excited. the, how, I'm really excited. I'm going on like a book tour and I don't Good. know if other authors feel this way about setting up something like this, but I'm terrified that I'm going to be sitting at a table all by myself with all these books around. Yeah. Well, that could happen. That could happen could just happen. because not, and it's no comment on the how good your book yeah. is or sales or anything else. If you right. do a book anytime, if you've got any dates at bookstores, try to find friends who live there in the yes. area. Yes. This is the nature of the business. This is the nature yeah. of the business. You know, it's so, just part of it. And my I had some really good advice from my publicist. She said, look at it like an outreach trip. Like if a ton of people don't show up, but you know, talk to the booksellers, yeah. talk to the people yeah. who are in the store. Like yeah. you're they're the best advocate for your book. Like become yeah. friends, bring them chocolate. Like yeah. no, it's really true. But the, if nothing else, it gets your book out there on some table somewhere for the for the event, and then you can talk right. to the book. Talk so yeah, because you know debut authors, it's a little tricky. No one knows who you are yet, unless right. you right. you know. So it's so you're a little bit. But I'm pleased that your publisher is sending you on a book tour. That means yes. they they've got some faith in it. They've got yes. some excitement about. So good for you. Yes. Uh, good for you. It's good that you're doing these kinds of events. You're doing it with me. You know this will yes. help a little bit too. Um, but you're writing your next one. Mm -hmm. That going okay? Feeling it's good about it? It's going great. 
Yeah, it's going really well. Um, It's hard to find a balance, right? Between promoting your first book or promoting whatever you're working on or you just put out to and writing the next thing. I'm trying to figure out how to time management all that because I just want to write. I don't want to do any of that promotion stuff. (laughs) Now you're really talking like an author. (laughs) Right? But like, I know it's part of, like if I want to get paid to do this and not have to, you know, have another job. Yep. I, I got to do it. I got to do the nature of the beast and, you know, get on the social media and like, you know, do all that thing that, yep. you know, as off as introverts, as people who like to be with their stories, yeah. it's really uncomfortable yeah. and unnatural. Um, and it's, I felt like, um, especially coming from a world where I had to be so secretive, I couldn't tell anybody about what I did. Yep. And I was literally like working inside a vault with no windows and and no one knew anything to like, hi, like I'm Brittany Butler and I used to be hi and you know, whatever. It just feels very strange. Yeah. Um, I'm getting the more that I do it, the better I get at it. Um, But I really just want to be writing book two because that's good. Well, that's correct. That's the, that's the best thing you can do for your career is the next book and the next book. But one way to think about it. Uh, here's my little bit of advice around the marketing. Yeah. It make you feel better about it. You've yeah. come at this book not just with a cool story you want to tell, but you have kind of a not kind of, but you came with a a, a more altruistic goal initially around yeah. helping women and serving women and telling their story. This mm-hmm. think of it as an opportunity to have a conversation with people about this. Now, this book is like yeah. a portal to people who want to have that same conversation. So, in that way, it's a great opportunity because you do believe in it, and you are passionate about it, and yeah. so you'll get to meet other people who want to hear about your very interesting life, which you'll get, they'll probably be as interested in that as the book. And so if you maybe look upon it as that, maybe it'll be more palatable to you. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm just so excited to talk about, I think right now it's timely with like what's going on in the Arab world, in Iran and other places, you know, how women are standing up against, you know, um, these the, these ideas that they're not worthy or they shouldn't have the same rights and yeah. i think especially after working in a place like afghanistan and seeing how you know what the taliban has done since they've taken back over you know you can get really discouraged if you like think about all the lives you've lost and you know everything that we put into these missions overseas just to see it kind of like revert back to the way it used to be but in a way, this is therapy for me, like writing a story like this about powerful Arab women, because it gives me a vehicle to talk about their struggles and to bring attention to an issue that I feel really um, compelled to talk about. That's great. So, That's yeah. great. And you're coming with a good attitude. Okay. The book is The Syndicate Spy, a Juliet Arroway novel. Get it, people. You're going to love it. I'm not yes. quite through with you, Brittany. I wish you good. luck. I hope this book just does great, but I want one more question for you before I yes. turn you loose. I want you okay. to think back on all the writing you've done. Okay. And if it's taught you anything, it's taught mm. you what? Don't give up. It sounds so cliche, oh. but I think it's just, you know, you got to have grit. I, I love this word grit that my old boss used to say all the time. It just, um, you know, you have to be like really tough. You have to really love to write, right? Because you're going to deal with so much rejection. I don't care who you are. You're going to deal with criticism and rejection, whether it's that editor you've hired or the editor they give you at a publisher. Like it just, and you be open and palatable to uh, criticism and to grow as a writer because no, everyone comes at it with certain skills, but you can always be better. And, um, 
And I think that you can only listen to that type of criticism and take on that criticism if you have grit, if you have if you're not going to give up, if you're determined, and if you really love to write, like, I think, you know, don't give up, just keep going. And I've gotten, I mean, the editor, I'm sure a lot of people who have written can relate to this when you go out and submission and you get these, this editor feedback, that's very, like it contradicts itself. Like on yeah. one times like yeah. the prose is, it's almost like poetry, the prose. And then you get another editor say the prose is shit. Like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> So it's just, um, just be tough and just keep, if you love it, you truly love it. Just keep going. I, I agree. I agree. Brittany, it's been great talking to you. Great talking to you too. Thank you so much. Brittany is correct. You should not give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. It's okay to give up on a book sometimes if it's not the right book. You know, I've done that. I've had to do it. Did it recently. Don't give up on you. Don't give up on what you really want. Don't give up on exploring and finding. Don't give up. No point. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep on going. Listen, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you out there for tuning in. It's always great to chat with you in this odd form, but I like it. I like it. I'm glad I get to share these conversations with you. And in the meantime, don't give up. Find something you love. There's always something you love. As long as you're alive, there's something you love. Go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>